Hello everybody. Welcome to the technical area. This, I believe, is episode 12. This is also the penultimate episode of 2019. The penultimate episode of the decade, if I'm going to be one of those type of people. Which, yeah, we're staring into the Christmas season now. So, unfortunately, you know, the podcast will have to take a little bit of a break just over the Christmas as other priorities come forward. But nonetheless, two more weeks of podcasting, two more weeks of listening to me. And hopefully I can help you with some of your FM questions, some of your FM worries, some of your FM feedback in next week's session where I'm going to kind of hand the reins over to the community just, you know, for some Christmas advice, so kind of like a, not to say I'm robbing something like a, a dear, the geary type of a thing where there's an agony entry, but it's a case of feel free to write in any questions, any advice you're looking for on the football manager world. Please get them in for next week's episode. Otherwise, I'd have to think up of something on the spot. So you know, don't be putting me in that position before Christmas, please. But nonetheless, you know, you can feel free to share. The, the tweet that goes up next week that's begging for questions, begging for problems, begging for whatever it is, and hopefully we have to fix things up. But that's next week. This is this week. This is episode 12, where, you know, it's going to be a feature in the podcast going forward where I talk about game plans. And the game plans I'm going to be talking about this week is the low block. I encountered it in my first game in Argentina with Velez in this Argentinian Superliga, and I didn't do very well against it. So it's a case of going forward, it's something I feel I need to be better prepared for in order to. Then it's a case of as well, I suppose, you know, it's also a tactic I could possibly use going forward as well. But the way I kind of view it is, it's a case of if you want to beat a tactic, you have to understand how it works. So it's a case of with this low block, we're going to talk about how it works, how to set one up. And then, of course, on the flip side, you know, once we've seen how to set it up, we can have a look at then how to break it down as well. But getting into the ticket things, I'm just going to give you a quick kind of fly through of how things have gone with uh, Vélez so far. So four games into the Argentinian Super League season, and I'm undefeated. Two draws, two wins. Kind of that's the way things have gone through. Like nice little pattern kind of going on. Draw on the opening day. Won the second game against River Plate. Drew against uh, Colón, and then beat beat Aldavici there last night in a comeback game. So. You know, eight points from the opening four games isn't a bad return. Undefeated and beating River Plate, especially, was a nice little cherry on top of things as well. And especially going away to them and beating them, you know, away. That, that just made things that just that bit sweeter as well. Like, we, we have a bit of a problem when it comes to goal scoring. I did kind of allude to this kind of in previous podcasts. And it's it's something that's kind of been scribbled and underlined and highlighted and everything circled. You name it, my little notebook, because, you know, our consistency in front of goal isn't great. I don't know if it's because I'm watching the match on Comprehensive and it's showing me every miss. Where if I watched it maybe on uh, Extended, I'd possibly see an awful lot less of the offsides, an awful lot less of the misses and so on and so forth. So maybe it's just because I'm seeing that. But nonetheless, like 22, 23 shots of games that we're having and kind of four, five, six maybe on target. So it's a big issue, big problem. So... That's something I have to work for. But in saying that, star striker, Leo Fernandez, in unknown, four and four from it's just a consistent threat we've kind of we're just lacking a little bit. So, like I said. The tango will be 
tweaks and hopefully you know we'll see some finer steps and some better kind of finishing moves towards the end. In terms of the, the players, the squad house thing's gone, like I said, I'm heavily reliant on youth development this season. Well, initially at the start, I just wanted to get off to a good start. So I've kind of put a lot of emphasis on the players who kind of get the higher current ability. I just wanted them to kind of get the ball rolling, get things started. And then as the season goes on, kind of rotate and phase in those younger players. But to be fair, like in terms of the depth of the squad, isn't really there. So the phasing in of the young players has gone well. A lot of them have been on the bench and some have like snuck into the starting eleven as well on one or two occasions so the team was growing the team was developing nicely like that i'm saying it's um it's only four match days in so with 19 more to go in the league so we'll see how things go in that front but like i said you know it was that opening day draw against patronato that really kind of got me thinking that really had me feeling a little bit like I needed to book up my ideas i needed to get some new i needed to, to change things they'd be aware of things and be able to kind of when I'm presented with one side, how do I counteract with another? Because they were so effective in their low block, they played a 5-4-1, and that one was in the attacking midfielder role. So technically it was a 5-4-1 strikerless or 5-4-1-0, whatever we want to look at. It was very, very difficult to break down. We created a lot of chances kind of towards the edge of the 18-yard box. So it was a case of a lot of our chances were long shots. Our finishing wasn't great. We were very... Um, a lot of our crosses were successful in terms of our strikers and attacking midfielders were able to meet the crosses into the box with headers, even though they had five at the back, Patronato. We were just unable to make these chances pay. A lot of these crosses ended up with headers over the bar or 10 miles wide, really. It was very poor. Again, like that alluding to a poor finishing. So, But like in terms of the low block, it's not something uncommon. It's something we've, like, especially in the Premier League now, we're seeing that as the years have gone on recently, expectant wins, dominant wins by big teams isn't always the case anymore. We're seeing these smaller, kind of less reputable teams, weaker teams, whatever phrase it is you want to put on them. These teams are able to eke out draws and even nick a win on occasion through the fact that they are playing with this low block system and that these big teams are struggling to break them down. Blowout wins are not as common in the Premier League as you see in European leagues. Whether it's down to the firepower or the fact that teams in Europe aren't as, you know, smaller teams in Europe aren't really as uh, drawn towards playing with the lower block, but playing with a, a more open and, you know, a, a, a more flavourful style of football than this regimental, rigid style that we, we, we are seeing in place. But it's obvious that these managers have done great preparation with their teams and they've put out a clear and obvious game plan that their players are well disciplined and well drilled to carry out. So although the low block can be a frustrating thing to watch as a fan, to watch as a football manager player and try and deal with as a football manager player, you do have to look to the other side and respect the, you know, respect the the approach that's been taken into this game. You have to respect the uh, the preparation, the game plan that's been put in place. Respect the players for carrying out the game plan so effectively. And also, you know, it's a case of if it's come, if someone is using it against you on football manager, possibly you could see it as a, a sign of respect that your style that you've developed is something that's making, you know, opposition teams feel the only way to stop you is playing with this more, uh, you know, defensive-minded approach. So you can give yourself pose a little pat on the back, even though you'll be tearing your hair out, I'm sure. So like I said, the effectiveness of my Velez side in dealing with this was not the best. I wasn't expecting it on match day one. But the fact that Patronato had such a solid game plan going in, we had such a solid game plan, and Patronato's was, was winning through, 
that I, when I recognised the low block early in the first half, I wasn't sure on ideas of how to go about it. Sure, I could have paused the game, gone off to, and read read some articles online, and then gone back to resume the game. But we all know when we're playing football manager, that's not how things work. We're sucked into the game. We're trying to figure things out in real time. And for me, without having that plan in place, I felt that was an issue I struggled with. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you where, you know, my research of the low block afterwards. Because I felt like that I need to, if I want to break this down, I need to understand it better. So I'm going to talk to you about what the low block is. I'm going to talk to you about setting one up. I'm going to talk about the uh, interesting aspects of possibly bringing in the low block in a counter, with a counter-attacking style as well. And then, of course, at the end, finish off with talking about the, the low block and how to break it down when you are facing with your sides. So for those of you unaware of the terms of phraseology or the or like that, you, you may be kind of only learning your tactical journey, whatever stage of your tactical knowledge you're at. A brief run through of the low block is this. It's a defensive shape created by teams who are using two deep banks to restrict space around their own penalty area. Managers can interpret the low block differently, especially around the width of the block. Some teams will will defend in a standard width. So fullbacks and wide midfielders kind of would be in a standard position. Some might prefer to go wide. But often or not, you often see teams defending in a standard and more favourably a narrow low block. So a narrow low block means teams are compact centrally, often conceding space in the wide areas. And it's a case of it's it's the style of football you would have seen traditionally played by Simeone at Atletico Madrid when he had this very attritional side uh, in place, not kind of this more open and fluid side. We're trying to see him transition towards this year. So what these narrow te- these narrow teams do is they're they're ho- they're open and they're happy to concede space out wide, and this prioritizes narrow defensive banks, bodies in central areas, and it's a case of you know being able to deal with crosses so on and so forth. The goal is central, so conceding spaces out wide is not deemed to be a a massive risk and a massive you know weakness in your side. The low block is often used by teams who deem themselves to be inferior to their opponents. Like that, as case of I suppose Stoke City would have been one of the first sides we'd seen implement this into Premier League football. Happy to take a draw in some matches, seeing it as a victory because they didn't lose. And as of course we know, points win games. Oh, sorry, not points win games. Points keep you up, whether it's through winning games or drawing games. You know, the points will keep you safe, secure, and give you a platform to build on. The way we saw Stoke do so successfully through that Premier League era under Tony Pulis. If you combine the low block with a counter-attack, an effective counter-attack, you, potentially on your hands you have the ability of, a, of and the makings of a side that could go deep in a cup run. Because you're not going to be conceding goals and you're going to be open to attacking teams as well. Get yourself the goal and you have the defensive stability in place. So, you know, maybe it's something you could, a philosophy you could adopt in your cup matches, adopting this low block with a, with a strong emphasis on counter-attack then as your transition and your style of... Uh, using the ball in possession. The low block is a compact defensive shape from front to back. So from your strikers all the way back to your defence, it's compact. It's about minimising the space, the gaps, the lines between players, between the lines of defence, midfield and forwards, and then from between the lines of like wide players to central players. When you have a low block in place, 
you're obviously doing the opposite to a high block. And a high block is obviously kind of one of the most popular things in football now because we're calling it a high gagging pressing style of football. So where is a high block? It leads to an aggressive pressing from the team. But the low block mainly aims to reduce space and minimise touches for the opposition in your own defensive zone. Because as we know, most goals are scored between, is it the 6-yard line and the 12-yard line? Or is it the 12 and the 18-yard line? But regardless, most goals are scored in the penalty area. Most goals are scored with less than a team's total of seven touches. A player one to three touches would score. They need one to three touches in order to score. So if you can minimise the amount of touches an opponent has in your box through this narrow, compact defensive shape, then, of course, you are reducing the uh, shots on goal, lowering the expected goals, if that's a, a statistic and metric you look towards. And, of course, gives you a good platform to build on the sure side and not conceding goals. You're not going to lose. So like I said now, if you want to understand how to break down a low block, you have to understand how to create a low block. So so I've broken this down into a few kind of different areas that will apply to us as football manager players. So in terms of your attributes, your player strengths, what do you need to look for? If you're putting together, want to put build a successful low block, you need players who have high concentration and positioning attributes in particular. Because these are ideal places to start from when deciding which person that are suited to create a low block system. The concentration and di- obviously refers kind of full time with the discipline. The players uh, discipline in maintaining and keeping this, keeping this shape, and in terms of positioning, trying to ensure that they're in the right position at all times, to make sure that they know where the right place to be is. And obviously, this can be built up through tactical familiarity as well when you're applying this positioning attribute to the tactic you have set your team to play. Now, coincidentally, like I said, if you want to understand it. To to break it down you have to understand how it works if you can look at an opposition identify players in their team who might have low positioning attributes or low concentration you can have your point of weakness which you want to exploit and set your team up to attack in that direction so if they've got low concentration or low positioning chances are it could be drawn out creating a space and that's your way in like i said you know it has to be a little you have to understand how to do it to understand how to undo it in terms of player instructions, what are you going to be asking your players to do? Well, individually, you know, it, it depends on what positions, what role that is you've set up. But collectively, creating a compact, narrow shape requires players to defend narrowly, hold their positions, and play their game in a disciplined, low-risk manner. Player instructions are required to ensure players keep the shape, play low-risk football. Fullbacks and wingbacks should be set should have the instructions set that they don't push too far forward because if they push too far forward you'll leave space in behind which the opposition can and will exploit so making sure that when your team goes through the attacking phases there is a rigidity and there is a sense of you know when we regain our shape you know when we attack if once we transition to being out of possession what shape what way is my team going to be and of course prioritizing a rigid defense is your way to go there Team instructions. Defending narrow, of course, is the, is the optimum place to start, in my opinion. That's my interpretation. I defend narrow. I will concede the wide space. And by the wide space, I mean that kind of space between the edge of the 18-yard line, that uh, vertical line, you know, pointing towards the opposition's kind of... They'll go parallel to, like, the touch line and the... Like the touch line then. So it's that space between the edge of the box and say where the corners are, that kind of lane. 
I was happy enough to concede both of those in a low block. By conceding the space out wide, it minimises the width of the channels then between my defenders, and it narrows. And then by having a compact shape with deep banks, I've got I've narrowed the gap between my midfield and defence. So there's not a lot of space for the opposition players to play with centrally. And obviously, the, where the goal is centrally, most shots come from central positions. So we're reducing the risk, minimising the risk of conceding immediately. But by de- but defending narrowly as well. If the opposition fields are going to start kind of firing crosses in, if you're sitting in a narrow shape, if you've got two good, solid banks set up, you've got more bodies centrally, you could have potentially anywhere between six and eight bodies centrally, so you can deal with, immediately deal with the volume of crosses that are put in, because you'll have a numerical advantage. And obviously in football, that's what we want to do. We want to create overloads in certain areas. In attacking sense, creating overloads, you know, can lead us to scoring goals. But creating a low block, you want the over you want your numerical overload, that numerical advantage to be deep in your areas. But low lines of engagement, this using that setting, so the attack and then having a, a kind of a deeper defensive line, you can see the compactness of your shape on that out of possession screen. And having that there again will help you I see just how compact it is you want your team to be. With rigid you want like the old fluid days we talked about in Football Manager. You want the rigid shape because this keeps the side structured. Because when you have fluid players, players who are allowed roam from position, move. What you're doing is you're giving your team a license to change positions, to move out of position, to frequently move across the pitch. This creates gaps for you defensively, which the opposition can exploit when you're playing a low rock system. Obviously, that is far from ideal. But then, and obviously, in terms of counter attacking. This is where it comes up to you. If you want to have a counter-attacking element to your side, using the regroup setting might not be ideal. But if you want to play really, really safe and you know um, low-risk football right the way through, even into the attacking phase, what we're looking at here is when your side regains possession, so this is the in-transitions tab on the tactic screen, you're going to ask your players to use the regroup setting when in possession. But for me personally, I'd go for the counter-attacking option. Then, so that we're not going to go pressing, we're not going to kind of go counter pressing. We're looking to regroup when we lose possession, and then we're going to look to counter. We're not going to look to regain to kind of have that slower pace building forward all the way through. Because when you use a low block, what you can do is by having deep defensive lines, your opposition will the opposition will naturally be pushing forward, pushing forward, trying to find a way through, leaving space and opportunities in behind, whether it's behind the fullbacks or the centre backs. Then you can play to have your team set to play direct style of football, ping the ball over the top, have a quick attacker to run onto it, and you can exploit these spaces through this direct counter-attacking football, turning defence to attack in a very very simple, rudimentary, right? Granted, it might be a pretty fashion, but one that is a, a way of getting results, especially when you need them. When you're setting up your formation, then what you want is your wide men should always begin narrow. If you're playing a four-man midfield, maybe have them in a solid four in a bank. They'll have two say, attacking winger, wingers, two defensive midfielders. Try and set it up in terms of banks. So if you're playing a solid four across the midfield, two wide midfielders, wide playmakers, whatever it is, have them begin narrow. And then it's up to you. It's whether they remain narrow in the attacking phase is up to you. 
and your will and how it is you want your team to counterattack. Do you want are you going to let the fullbacks push forward, or are you going to let your wide players move out and be the the, the wide players so that they when the team is in possession they'll move go wider, then they'll return to, the, to this more narrow shape. That's of course up to you. That's a personal choice one I can't make, but personally their formation was idle for wide midfielders or you know wide playmakers possibly in that case, or even like that if you wanted to be more narrow when you attack going for the inverted wingers from this deeper position. Solid banks, like I said, should always be preferred, whether it's a four or five in defence or midfield, entirely up to you. But consider the relationship in these spaces with your banks. Do the player roles you've, you've selected, do they complement each other well? Uh, does this formation have an attacking element to it as well? So even defensive wingers can be a little bit more advanced because they'll hassle and they'll harry. So I wouldn't personally go for them either. But what I'd say is like have a clear plan in your mind how it is you're going to attack when if you are setting up with a low block. Whether it's you and then if you're putting players between the lines, you know, be careful just how you do it, that you're not disrupting solid banks as well. So you can set up maybe a solid four one four one. Where you've got the, the four midfielders, like I said, in a solid bank of midfielder, right midfielder, left, not attacking midfielder. Or if you're going 4 4 1 1, in a way we would have seen kind of um, Atletico Madrid use, where you'd Griezmann kind of as a deeper striker, as a link player between the more advanced striker and then you kind of and the midfield. And it's a creative player, a technically adept player, and one who's capable of causing problems with good dribbling abilities, good pace, and of course good finishing as well. So, you know, look at the players you have and see who'd be optimal for these roles and, and then try and combine them in a way. That makes you defensively solid, but gives your team an attacking element. In terms of training, of course you can prepare for the low block, the block on the training field. Focuses should be prioritising on defensive uh, training sessions, like uh, defending disengaged, so where your team isn't engaged. Uh, defensive shape in the match preparation. In the technical uh, tab, looking at the transition to risk where you have restrict. So you're looking to restrict space. You're looking to press. You're looking to restrict space. And then maybe consider then other training sessions. How do you focus on your attacking game plan? So you're going to play for set pieces. You're going to put an emphasis on set pieces, attacking set pieces. Or are you going to kind of focus on like going attacking direct, attacking wings? What is your going to be your way forward for this team? And scheduling a session or two of that as well in your week's training. Don't be afraid to take control. Don't be afraid to meddle. And of course... This is my interpretation. If you if you have other ways, please feel free to share them. The links to the socials, of course, are all down below. So feel free, get involved in the chat. Let's kind of talk about the low block in a way that's kind of educational while support for everyone then as well. But like that then with training, another way of doing it as well is you're kind of, you're, what you're doing is you... you you are looking at training then in a way as, and you're using it in a personal way that will improve your tactical familiarity. You're training your players in ways that will mean that what they've done on the training pitch applies to what they're going to put out on the, on the match in a game day. It's tactical periodization, something I've or training periodization, something I've touched on my blog posts and the podcasts recently. Grass and Gear had an excellent one this week and I think in the comments underneath that Seb from SI even suggested that SI were looking for a periodization. It took some inspiration from periodization when creating that tactic. So 
there you go. That could be your way through there. In terms of the low block, I want to talk about the low block into the counter-attack now as well. Because often you'll see teams who are effective with the low block are even more effective then when it comes to the counter-attack. Because you see, the more space you have in possession, the more likely you are to score. And the low block could actually be a way your team looks to create space in the, in the attacking phase of the game. So we use, because what you do with the low block is you're restricting an opponent's space and you lower your lines of engagement. You're drawing them forward, you're drawing them onto you. But that then creates space in behind. So whether their fullbacks push forward, like I said before, and there's space out wide for you to exploit. Their centre backs are slow, but they're pushing forward. Put the balls, pump them down the centre over the top and get your quick players running onto them. And suddenly you're creating one on ones. Grass and gear, listen to them talking about how to come out, overcome one on ones, but like that. It's uh, it can be done in the goalkeeping training one on ones, oh, and then chance creation, the chance conversion in uh, the technical. Quick little summary there. But like this, you're by you using the low block, you're actually creating space in the opposition, and it, in the opposition's half, even though don't, you could deem them to be a superior team to you, and suddenly again, here you go, you could be onto a winner here again. And in terms of attacking. Teams can often get frustrated when they come against the low block like us players can. You could have, and the manager, the settings, whatever it is they do, the formation tweaks they do, that could cause a defensive disorganisation. Because they're so focused on an attacking side of things, they kind of lose sight of the defensive element because like that, you might be sitting back deeper, you may have only had one shot in the match and it was a, a header from a corner. But this defensive disorganisation by them overloading the attack. This could be exploited in a quick manner through your effective attacking, counter-attacking movement and their desperation to create space and create a clear-cut chances for themselves to score as well. The most effective counter-attacks are completed in 5 to 8 seconds. The best counter-attacking sides have fast attacking players who are able to burst forward and exploit space. In the last week, we've seen great examples from Liverpool, through Sadio Mane against Everton, and even Tottenham with the Wang Min Son run there at the weekend against Burnley. Two effective, fast-running players capable of driving the ball from a defence position into an attacking position and creating a chance on the counter-attack. It's direct play. This is direct play. Direct play is not the old-school Jack Charlton of Ireland with Ireland football. What's a midfield? Let's why defenders are pumping the ball over the top of them and they're just going up and chasing hoping to get a knockdown. Direct play can include this aggressive running forward. Your team looking to push forward and create chances without kind of the, the tippy-tappy, sideways-backwards kind of we're going to slowly kind of mosey our way forward. It's direct, it's purposeful and, it can, you're, and an effective counter-attack can do that. And if with your quick players, with your exploitation of wherever it is, the wings or the centre, you can create numerical advantages that create chances, that create space. You can see every you're doing everything that the low block prevents and you're making the other team do it for you. But of course, like I said with me, I was a team who had to face the low block. How? God's name. Do I break it down? 
So, this is what I've learned. Good spacing between your players. So having them roaming, moving positions, moving into channels. Creating space and exploiting movements through the lines and channels. Having your players swap positions, say, for example, if your two wingers swap alternate sides. Because what happens is this draws the focus and this poses the question in the opposition player's mind. Do I track my player or do I mark zonally? There's always a question there. And if they're marking zonally, they're going to be placed with a, a different question because they're not faced with the same player. Or if they if they man-mark and they follow them across the width of the pitch, suddenly they're out of position, suddenly you've got a way in. The most effective way to create defensive disorganisation could be to use a staggered, tiered attacking offence where you create numerical advantages in high areas. So not having all of your players kind of in a line, not having four strikers not having three players across the attacking midfield stagger it go asymmetric maybe try and do things that the, you know people don't typically do try and find ways of you know posing putting questions to the opposition's defense that the game might not expect you to do composure is an excellent attribute to have in your players their ability to stay calm under pressure and use possession then in a cr can create panic in the opposition. And by creating panic, creating disorganisation because they're composed, they're not under pressure, they don't feel the pressure, suddenly then your team is in a much better place with cool players who are thinking clearly and they're not caught up with feeling the, the pressure of the situation, the time, when it, um, the opposition, whatever it is. Playmakers can be key to your system, and in particular, deep-lying playmakers. Because if you've got deep-lying playmakers, they're going to be pulling the strings from deep. And it's a case of, you know, they could pick apart the low block. They could be putting, you know, playing passes that the opposition defense doesn't like. Do they press it more? And if they press these two players, suddenly there's a gap in behind where if you've two deep-lying playmakers, an attacking midfielder over the top could suddenly make a big difference. Because the opposition will, will want to, sh to shut them down. The players will naturally get drawn towards the ball. The defenders will break their lines. They'll lose the discipline. And this will create gaps. Which you can use as a space to exploit and find your way in. Fluid movements of attackers can be used to disrupt the shape of these defensive banks. So like that purposeful running. Changing of wings. Uh, have players roam from position maybe as a possible player instruction have a fluidity to your attack don't have it linear don't have a horizontal have a fluid have a constantly moving roaming posing questions to the opposition in new ways as they transition from side to side width is a vital aspect to the successful breakdown of these big defensive walls most low-blocking teams will concede these wide spaces, so it's a place for you to take advantage of. Of course, like I said, on the counter-attack, just be careful, you could be taken advantage of. But if you have players who can exploit the half-spaces, so the players between the full-back and the centre-back, so you're talking Mazala's possibly here, if you want to be a bit deeper from a central midfield, or attacking midfielders in wider positions, not down the middle, but two of them possibly, have full-backs who overlap your, your team, push forward pin back the opposition players if you have wide players who cut the ball back so whether it's the fullback or the wide player cut the ball back much to our frustration in football manager i know 
but if you had these cutting the ball back using the space in quick triangles suddenly you can move the opposition about to create spaces spaces through disruptive movements of the individuals and disruptive movements of the ball now the thing is your fullbacks you have them overlapping they have to be intelligent ball users they have to be good at passing the ball and it's a case of they you have to be able to you know, I make sure that they're making intelligent runs, that they're not running down cul-de-sacs, finding themselves in a place where they're going to cross the ball in. The other team is a low, just panic, cross the ball in. Opposition wins, there's a counter-attack, and they're going to channel that counter-attack into the space where your fullback is just left. So look at the attributes of your fullbacks in particular if you're going to ask them to push forward here. Two strikers. This could be a great way of... um breaking down Manchester City uses effectively with Sergio Aguero and Gabriel Jesus. So talking about moving the ball about into channels with these two strikers, that they move into channels where they can pin back opposition defenders in a low blocking four. So for example, if you're if you two start with two strikers and you have to move into channels, immediately the two centre backs are pinned. But if they're going to move into channels, so going in between the centre back and the full back, the opposition full backs are suddenly pinned back now as well. So it's a case of in a counter-attacking style, you have a counter-counter-attack ready through your two strikers. And then what this can do is, because you've now pinned back to the opposition's four defenders, if you can put a 10, an attacking midfielder centre behind them, suddenly then you have a chance for an overload on the defence because the four def defenders are preoccupied with your two strikers and you've got a player in space just in front of them who could potentially have the ball. So what do they do? Do they let him have the ball and do what he wants? Or do they shut him down and possibly let one of the strikers move into space? Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, David Silva, of all those, none of this to great effect for Man City behind those two up front. Alternatively, if you reduce the number of tackers you have in your team and add another player in a deep area of the pitch, so I would say another central defender, you play with three central defenders, what you've done is you have now a clear, clean, area of the pitch to possess the ball to move the ball about purposefully try and draw out this low block and then hopefully these players then have the capabilities to exploit any spaces that are left through the opposition leaving these banks to try and shut down the player in possession and the final one this is the one i faced patronado played a solid five two fullbacks three center backs so what could i have done better I should have started two strikers and an attacking midfielder centre. This would have pinned back the defence. You've got suddenly got three kind of attacking players there. You have support from a defensive midfielder who is capable of using the ball effectively, like the way Fernandinho does be for Manchester City. Two ball playing defenders who will push up forward out of defence, carrying the ball, creating a triangle with the defensive midfielders. And the forwards and then two wider centre midfielders so Mazala's here who move into the half spaces so creating overloads in between the four Mazala's moving between the half space between the, the centre midfielders and wide midfielders a defensive midfielder who's playing in between the attack and the defence and then behind that midfield then you've got your attacking midfielder your ball playing defenders will push forward your full backs can push forward and then the use of the fullbacks or wide players to the Mazalas is entirely up to you. So for me, what I could have done is I could have had my own fullbacks narrow and let the Mazalas push out wider. 
Alternatively, I could have had the fullbacks push forward and assign them to pin back the opposition seat, fullbacks or wide players, and create overloads in the central areas of the pitch through my attacking midfielder and defence midfielder in spaces, and the Mazalas in with the half spaces. Have these triangles which I could move the ball about. Have two strikers posing the questions there, and hopefully then the pass that one moment that we need can be unlocked. The low block gets a lot of bad press. But hopefully I've been able to get across to you how I know some people can call it rudimentary. It's basic and lacks imagination. But it's a brave decision to be taken by a manager. You're choosing to fight with your back against the wall. You're, you're admitting you're inferior. But with a careful strategic plan where you know you're willing to concede certain spaces on the pitch, you can create an effective tactic both defensively and in an attacking sense. As an opposing manager facing the low block, it's frustrating. I'm saying it again because it is. But nonetheless, it can be broken down. Just look for areas in the pitch where there's space. Find that one weak link that they need. Find that one weak player the opposition have. Does he have poor concentration or poor positioning? Can we draw them out? Can we exploit that space in the pitch? And then last of all, can we create the overloads? And where do I need to create them? Is it symmetric or asymmetric? Is it centrally or wide? Is it through the use of two strikers? We all interpret things differently. If you want to have a read of what I've read and how I've interpreted, the links will be found, all will be found down below. So feel free to, to make the most of them. But I just want to now take this opportunity to, you know, step back and say thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the podcast, following the podcast on the socials. And if you haven't already, the links to those are down below. And forget for those people who've gotten in touch with me as well about um, personally on Twitter, Slack, whatever it is. It's been great, kind of good get conversations going with new people out there in the community. And it's great, a few Irish people getting in touch with me as well. It's great to see a few, a little bit of a, an Irish corner starting to kind of emerge that I can see in the football manager community. So. Keep in touch, lads. Keep in touch. We try and you know build up a bit more of a vocal community here in Ireland. If you haven't already, please like, review, share the podcast if you enjoyed it. Feedback is always welcome through the DMs. Uh, this podcast will be available for ninety days from the moment it is released. That's today, Friday, the thirteenth of December. And so, once the shelf life of ninety days expires, this episode will self destruct, but will find itself suddenly rehomed on youtube episode one hasn't gone up yet i apologize so what i'll do is i'll get episode one and episode two up for next monday the podcast and slowly the library will build up on youtube so you can catch it there if you haven't caught it in the 90 days here the next fm technical area post will drop before christmas so keep checking the keep an eye on gaffer Gramo fm on twitter and slack to see when that does drop and if you haven't read already, you can see all my adventures football manager back to the Schalke days of FM17. But you'll hear from me next week. The, like I said, your input will be greatly well, appreciated and welcomed. Hopefully I'll be able to answer some questions 
tactically, training, whatever it is, get any FM question you have in for me. Even if it comes down to content creation, I'll give my best answer here. But until then, thanks for listening. I'm Gaffer Graymore. Talk to you next week. Thank you.